it's really difficult to find great executives. Spirit Consulting helps organizations find all-star executives and hire the right one using work psychology so you can serve more customers and grow your business. To get a free quote, go to spiritmco.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Tips for Team Building podcast, where our mission is to inspire and propel others along in their leadership journeys. I'm your host, Jaden Smith, and so, so, so excited to welcome my friend Kyle Kingston as our first ever guest. Uh, Kyle, thanks for taking the time. For those who don't know you, uh, the first question we'll start out with is, who are you? Great question. And, uh, you know, thank you for having me, Jaden. The pleasure is all mine. I'm excited to be here. So, um, you know, I've been in healthcare leadership for a little over 14 years. I started out as a bedside clinician. Uh, and over time, I found myself uh, dabbling and in, in, in jumping into leading initiatives and committees, which really led to a passion uh, for leadership, To uh, which really kind of led my transition to clinical management. Um, shortly after completing my MHA, uh, I moved into medical group uh, administration, uh, where I oversaw several different uh, medical divisions, worked with a lot of diverse teams uh, for several years. Um, prior to my current role as Vice President of Operations with Great Expressions, I spent five years in the occupational medicine arena, where I was regional director for about 45 locations and then held a corporate role uh, where I led organizational process implementation, uh, innovation, and technology growth. Um, in February, I started with Great Expressions as the Vice President of Operations uh, for Michigan, and myself and my significant other uh, just relocated to the Detroit area, and we're really enjoying it. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And love just the diversity of experience that you have, Kyle, you know, from medical group to occupational health and, and now dentistry. I know you and I kind of joked about, you know, operations is operations. <laughs> you have just been incredibly successful uh, in, in what you're doing and know that, you know, the role that you're in right now is, you know, no small role. So kudos to you for having made that transition and just so excited to see all the um, successes that you have in that role. Thank you, Jay. I, I appreciate the kind words. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, so Kyle, uh, you know, you kind of talked through your, your leadership, you know, journey and how you've kind of gotten or I guess like the roles that you've you've held in that but i guess like what what really inspired you to you know because i know from from previous conversations that you started in kind of that clinical background before moving into operational leadership what really kind of inspired you to make that pivot to now you know um be in the position that you're in today yeah it's a great question jane um i like being asked that question because it kind of gives some insight into um, some of the opportunities in our overall uh, healthcare uh, environment. Um, so, you know, as, as I said, I started as a bedside clinician, I was a respiratory therapist, and my original track uh, in school uh, was I wanted to become a doctor. That was what I was going to school for at that time. I was working full-time as a respiratory therapist. I was working at Children's Memorial Hospital in the neonatal intensive care unit. It was really fulfilling, but also really challenging, which can be great and also bad, you know, in its own. What I came to find is that 
we had a lot of shortfalls and missed opportunities that impacted our patients as well as our providers due to a miscommunication between what the bedside providers really needed and what was actually going on at the bedside and between the administration. Administrators typically can be very afraid to come to the bedside. They're typically very uh, cautious to come to the bedside and have the tough conversations with the providers to really understand what they need, what's going on, what's working, what's not. And so over time, I really started to kind of realize like, you know, I could have an impact here. I understand what's going on at the bedside. I have a, I have a passion for leadership. I see what needs to be done. Um, and so I really, I pivoted. I pivoted to healthcare administration. Um, and, you know, that was a, a crucial decision for me because, you know, I have been able to have that impact that I wanted to of knowing that bedside, knowing what goes on there, knowing what goes on with the patient and understanding how the decisions that I make uh, as a healthcare leader impacts that and knowing how crucial it is to get that feedback and to work closely with those bedside providers because ultimately they're the ones who make uh, you know the business happen. They're the ones who make the patient care happen. Um, and so it's extremely crucial that we understand their needs um, and we understand how it's working for them whenever we're driving initiatives or whenever we're setting goals. So that was really the driver for me is be being able to have more of an impact, being able to uh, really connect the bridge between the two of, you know, the bedside and the administrator uh, so that we weren't missing those opportunities. So we weren't failing the patient uh, when we could be, uh, you know, doing much better for them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that, that that just provides so much more insight. You hear, you know, a lot of a lot of times of people being placed in leadership positions that don't really know what they're leading. And that's right. why it's so important to like be in the field to like get a grasp of it. And you have that experience like firsthand from being in that type of role, which I think, you know, just makes you that much, much stronger of a leader. So uh, thanks for your response there. And so just kind of want to want to pivot into some of the impact that, that you're having. And, you know, in preparing for this episode, you mentioned that you wanted to discuss a book, uh, which was Daniel Coyle's The Culture Code. And for those who don't know, I didn't know. I did a quick Google search to find out before. <laughs> so I need to add that one to, uh, to my reading list. But, you know, this book explores some of the world's most successful organizations, such as Pixar, the San Antonio Spurs, and the U.S. Navy, Navy SEALs Team 6, and kind of revealing what makes them tick. Um, Want to kind of hear, I guess, what were your learnings from this book, Kyle? And uh, why do you recommend it to our audience? You know, I learned a lot from this book. And it's, it's been a long time since I've read it, but I, I carry a lot of really the, the, the three skills that he touches on is what I try to carry with me when I go into any role or any situation when I'm working with a team. Um, you know, because it's, 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 we're not wired to necessarily work with other people all the time. We're diverse. We all have our own backgrounds. We all have our own thoughts on how things should be done. We all have our own pride. We all have our own fears. We're all vulnerable. And so it's really important that we understand how to translate that for our, from our own perspective and try to understand the individuals you're working with, because that's really what builds a great team. And so, you know, the three skills really that he touches on is, you know, build a safe environment to make everybody feel comfortable working together. 
I can tell you that, you know, Jaden, I have been in environments where it's not necessarily encouraged uh, to share your feedback. It's not necessarily encouraged to provide the why. Um, you have can sometimes have very strong individuals in, in a group who push their initiative, uh, especially if it's bad in the situation where that's the leader of the group. Um, and it what it does is it makes people pull back. And when people pull back, you lose some potentially really great ideas uh, to push that team forward. So that's, you know, that's the first, uh, you know, skill, especially a leader when you're leading a team. Um, the second is to show your vulnerability to, again, show that nobody has to, you know, to be perfect. Um, you know, it's, it's okay to make a mistake. It's all right to throw an idea out there. Maybe it's not the right idea. It's okay. That's fine. It's how you respond to it is what matters. It's how you adjust and learn uh, from that is what matters. Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. I have learned more from my failures than I have from my successes. And it's important that people know that I'm human because if people just think I'm just, you know, this hard line, hard nosed robotic leader who doesn't think I can ever screw up, I'm never going to see the true potential of my team because they're going to be too scared to show it because they're afraid they're going to mess up. And that needs to be taken out of the equation early on. And then, you know, the third is really, you know, kind of establishing that, that common goal and establishing the path to get there. Um, you know, what we see too often in organizations and in, in mid-level leaders or mid-level executive leaders is, you know, they translate the initiatives or the goals of the organization to their teams as, okay, we're being told to do that. So this is what leadership wants. As a leader in that position, you are both an advocate and a translator for the organization as well as your team. So it is your job to translate why we're doing this and how it relates to your team and how you own it. You're a part of it. You're all a, a cog and a big machine together and you all have a common goal. You can't set the organization apart from yourself. You have to be a champion for that goal. And that's on the flip side, too. I am an advocate and a translator and a communicator, a conduit, if you will, for my team. I have that bedside clinical knowledge. I have that field knowledge. If something's not working, that's on me to get that feedback from my team and provide that back to the organization or provide that back to leadership. Because if I don't, then we're just going to keep banging our heads against the wall and trying to do something that doesn't work. And then your team's going to get burnt out and wonder why you're not advocating for them. So, you know, that's a big piece of it. And then also setting a clear path to get there. It's great to have ideas, but ideas mean nothing unless you execute. And it's important that you have a clear pathway on how to get there. Um, milestones, goals along the way. And then your, your ultimate final goal of what you're trying to reach and examining those along the way and having, you know, team meetings and having allowing people to provide feedback along the way of how maybe we can do something better at the next milestone or on the way to the next milestone. And then also celebrating each other. We often forget to do that. We forget to celebrate our wins. We don't often get wins. So it's extremely important to celebrate those wins and to celebrate your team. Any chance I get, to celebrate my team and tell them they've done a great job and thank them, I do it. Even if it's, you know, 
more than once or twice a day uh, because, you know, we forget that we, for the most day we're facing, most of the day, most days we're facing challenges. And you may only get one win. You may only get, maybe not even get one win a day. You may not get one win a week. You may get one win every two weeks. So it's extremely important to celebrate that and realize, hey, you've done something great. You've made an impact because that's what drives people. And without that, people get burned out. Um, and so that's really, to me, his message to me is really in those core three sort of examples of how to build a team and how to continue to drive teamwork and keep people engaged, even in tough times, like as if you were a Navy SEAL. I'm sure they, they face some really tough times. So it's extremely important to you know, know how to push through that, to keep them engaged, to keep them on track. Uh, so that ultimately you reach your goal and everybody comes out on the other end. Yeah, no, absolutely. That sounds, I'm just even more so excited to to read the book. I'll probably, you know, bookmark it on Amazon and, and jump on there after, uh, after we get done with the show here. And, you know, I think it, you know, your kind of takeaway um, from the book really kind of shares because as you, as you said, in this role that you're in, you're the key operational executive for the region that you're in. So you have this responsibility to your team as kind of the culture champion, but you also have the responsibilities to your company as an executive within the company and how you see yourself as that conduit in between the two, um, I think is just a great analogy there. Um, but, you know, Kyle, culture starts, you know, I, I think with the relationships that, that we're building. Um, as a leader, you have such a, a large span um, in terms of the, the responsibility and the team members that you're, you're affecting and you're leading. What's your approach to building relationships as a leader? It's a great question. Um, you know, it starts off with, you know, getting out there and getting to their level. Um, you know, getting to know the individual, building a mutual respect, uh, understanding what drives them, um, and, and also, you know, not being afraid to throw yourself in there and work alongside them. Um, you know, as, as, as an executive leader, you don't always have that opportunity. You can't always go in and start checking in patients, but, you know, getting in there and really understanding, you know, what their world is like. Uh, you know, I'm talking about, you know, clinic level staff, you know, developing those relationships. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's getting out there and also getting to know them, learning their name, remembering their name, learning about their family, what matters most to them, um, and, and engaging them. Um, you know, I think that's really, you know, what uh, for me is, is really been key to me in developing relationships in the past and also being available being available for them, being able to relate to them, having empathy, being understanding. Um, I think that's a big part as well. Uh, so, you know, those are sort of the factors and some of the, the ways I have developed relationships in the past. Um, and, you know, just letting them know that you're there for them. Um, that's, a, that's a big part of it too, is I'm, I'm here to drive the goals and the success of you know our division or our market or our region but i'm also here as a resource to you so that you can do your job and how can i do that um and really you're not going to figure that out unless you start to, to really get in there and get to know them um and, and you know work alongside them and listen to them and know that they're being heard and engaged in that 
Have you been feeling unfulfilled? You want to be happy, but just continue to struggle. One of the best ways to experience joy is by caring for the homeless. A charity I've grown to love, River of Light, food rescues a million meals per year for the needy in Chicago. Imagine how that make you feel, knowing that you're helping feed children and veterans. To make a tax-deductible donation, visit riveralightchicago.org. Again, riveralightchicago.org. No one should go to bed hungry. Yeah. Absolutely. And I love how you, you shared the piece of like getting to know them and like the whole them, you know, not just them at work, but also what about your family, your kids, you know, stuff like that. Because I think that so many times I'm, and and I think that, you know, in the work that I, I'm in, you know, talking to executives on a daily basis and executive search, um, I've actually seen a lot of kind of like transformation in this way. And that like, there's, kind of been like I guess the old school approach of like you draw the line between personal and professional and you don't have any intersection between the two and you know I don't care about their family are they doing the job (laughs) and you know that's just not the way to approach it I think that an analogy that I've really like you know kind of I don't know if I came up with this or heard it I I think I came up with it but I'll probably use it a hundred different times you know throughout this uh, podcast series is that like the the difference like a lot of people between you know personal and professional put up like the old approach is like the great wall of china is between the two and you know the wind blows or whatever nothing is intersecting between you know the personal and professional but in reality we have to recognize that it's more like a chain link fence and you've got those big diamonds in the middle of your chain link fence and there's going to be a lot of crossover so you yeah. have to be able to understand both sides of it to be, you know, the most uh, effective leader that you can be. Yeah, yeah, I love that that uh, analogy that you're doing. That's great. It is it is a chain sense because you know you have to have boundaries, right? And some people don't want to share. You know, and that's fine. You know, you set the boundaries, uh, but it does go a long way for people when you you remember those little tidbits about their family and. Um, you know, you're there for them when they may be going through things and you support them through things. That, that goes a really long way. And we spend a lot of time at work. We spend more time at work than we do with our family. And uh, like I said before, we face a lot of challenges, especially in this day and age, especially in healthcare. Uh, so it's it's essential for people to feel cared about. Um, and, you know, I, I want my teens to feel that way. I want them to feel cared for. Um, I want them to feel noticed. Yeah. So you've, you know, recently made a transition to Great Expressions, uh, Kyle. Prior to that, you were with Concentra for, um, you know, a while. And prior to that, you know, with the with the medical group. But um, want to kind of hear, you know, as as culture is just so important to you as a leader. Can you kind of tell me about um, a time and for you might not be as recent uh, or might not be as far out. It might be more recent than others, but that you've had to adapt to a culture when entering a new position and maybe some of the the specific challenges that you've you've faced in doing so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, you know, I spent a lot of my uh, time working in the Midwest and uh, in the East Coast. Uh, especially prior to 2017. Uh, in 2017, I relocated to Seattle uh, to work for a California-based organization 
And while this may seem crazy, and I didn't believe it at first, um, there is definitely regional differences in how fast people move and how people communicate and work together. Um, not necessarily the slower paces, uh, not as good as the faster pace or faster pace is preferred. It's just there is a difference. And I had, you know, I was younger in my career, and I, this was something I had to learn. Uh, you know, I was used to that faster pace, more direct uh, communication, which I found seemed to be pretty off-putting to some of the individuals that I was working with down in Seattle. Um, and so I had to quickly learn um, that this company's culture and the regional culture called for more of a, a sit-down discussion with a softer approach. Um, and, you know, I had actually... I hate saying this, I had made somebody cry in my first week unintentionally. Um, you know, I consider myself to be a pretty approachable and nice person. So I definitely had to adjust. Um, and it wasn't overnight. Uh, but I also had to adjust the fact that business moved a bit slower, which is a big, was a big, big challenge for me at first. You know, I'm used to, okay, we have a problem, let's fix it. We have a goal, let's get to it. Uh, just at a much faster paced uh, environment. Um, but, you know, over time, I ultimately sort of shifted and transitioned into more of a hybrid model, which is where I am at today, where, um, you know, not everything has to be done right now. Um, the conversations don't always have to be, and this is a lot of Jane where I picked up sort of my chain link fence approach, too, is it doesn't always have to be just, okay, we're here to talk about business, let's talk about business. It can be, you know, relating uh, catch up at first, you know, a little bit more of a, of a an inclusive conversation to the individuals, um, and then also, you know, eventually discuss business. It just creates an, a softer environment and an environment that people are more comfortable in because you just never know uh, what kind of culture they're coming from. Um, and so, you know, that was an adjustment for me, uh, but I, you know, I eventually adjusted it. I hope it didn't take too long. It didn't feel like it took too long, but. Um, really, I've kind of carried that into my sort of approach now where I'm really sort of a hybrid model of, okay, you know, how is that building that relationship, that relating, that, that coming back together and catching up, and then, okay, well, let's, let's transition into more of a business conversation, and, okay, instead of how quickly can we get it done, what is what is a realistic um, approach to this, and what is a realistic timeline so that we're not pushing ourselves to something that is just not attainable. Yeah, no, absolutely. That totally, uh, <laughs> you know, like that uh, sounds like a challenge just going from like the go, go, go. And, you know, it's kind of funny because you think of like anytime I think of the West Coast, I immediately think of L.A. And to me, L.A. is go, go, go. Right. So like it's kind of, uh, you know, like hearing that, you know, some places it's just a little slower pace and you've right. got to move a little slower. That that to me, I feel like would be definitely a frustration to have to work through. And I think that uh, you, you shared that as well. Just like when you have that mentality of like the, the go get it done type mentality mm -hmm. to like have roadblocks in between, it's like, Oh, can't we just run these over? <laughs> like, what are, right. what are we doing? Um, right. But, you know, kind of learning the, the virtue and the, um, you know, the um, value of, of patience right. and, you know, knowing that, knowing that the good will come, as as long as you're you're patient and and persistent with it, right? Yeah, yeah. And that definitely. I was communicating here, and they were communicating here, and you're not meeting. You know, right. 
Um, and so it was really important. I, I actually was told by somebody, uh, hey, you're two East Coast. <laughs> Uh, it's like, I'm from Chicago. Like, I'm not even from the East Coast. But, so that was when I was like, okay, step back and kind of reevaluate this. And so, you know, it was a bit of a challenge, but really it was more of a learning experience. And I, I took that adjustment and really kind of just, I still kind of roll with it. You know, it's, it's really, like I said, it's, it's a part of how I communicate and how I approach situations. Um, um, you know, it's, it's that learning as a young leader. You know, you're always learning. I'm always learning now, you know, so... Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Always looking at, you know, when we think that we, when we think that we're, you know, we know it all, that's when we, you know, get shown very quickly that we don't. So <laughs> always looking, you know, for those, uh, for those opportunities to, uh, to learn. Um, so want to kind of jump Kyle, I guess, you know, I, I, when thinking about culture and team building, I think the first step is really that recruiting and hiring and kind of like onboarding uh, piece. That's really where you're setting the the foundation uh, for that culture that you're you're uh, searching for. Uh, you know, as as a leader, um, you know, want to kind of hear maybe if you have an example. I know that sometimes with you know hiring decisions, you have you know, four to five different stakeholders, you know, within, within a, um, you know, within a hiring process and you can be really sold on a candidate and maybe someone else isn't. And like either bringing that person on board, uh, overruling them or going another direction can kind of shape, you know, the culture, um, you know, that you have on your team and within the organization as well. Um, can you tell me about a time where maybe you were sold on a candidate or and other stakeholders weren't or vice versa, where so many people were sold and you're like, ah, hold on a minute. And uh, kind of how you address that discrepancy. Absolutely. So um, when I had joined Concentra, um, there was already an established uh, regional team there were my counterparts and they had been there for some years. So I was really the newbie, the new eyes coming in. And um, there was an associate director at one of our locations that had had some problems. The individual had had some work problems and had some personal problems and it kind of bled into the workplace. Um, but when I met this individual and sat down with them, I immediately realized that this person is hungry. They have the ability to, to grow and they want to grow. And they had ambition. Um, they made some young mistakes, but, you know, like I said, people make mistakes and you can't, you know, people shouldn't be just judged by the mistakes they've made. It's how you, it's how you adjust and respond. And this individual was really trying to make changes and really working hard. Um, and I saw that immediately. But the feedback that I received from my team was, you know, what they had experienced, what they had known of this person. And so a position came up for a director role for the location that this individual was in. And, you know, for me, it, my immediate thought was, okay, well, let's give this individual a chance. Let's give them a chance and let's set them up for success and let's grow and mentor and, and develop this individual because they have the organizational knowledge. They had a deep understanding of that particular location. They had the relationships already built with physicians and staff. 
And, you know, they just really knew the business really, really, really well. They just kind of had hit themselves in the knee and was, they were having a bit of trouble getting back up. So, you know, of course, I brought this to the team and they were like, what are you thinking? You know, this is what's happened. We, we don't know if, this, you know, if they can bounce back from this and we're just not sure. And so, you know, I put together sort of the notes from my meetings with this individual and where I had set goals for this individual or this person, this individual set goals for themselves to show here was the goal that was put in front of them and here's what they did. And time after time, I was able to show that this individual had been given a plan, given a goal, and they had executed and improved or achieved a milestone or driven an initiative. Those things that that individual had been doing had been so overshadowed, so so covered up by the past experiences that nobody noticed them. Nobody, you know, had noticed that you know, it's not their fault. I was a fresh set of eyes. There's a lot to be said for a fresh set of eyes. So, you know, we, you know, after we had that discussion, their eyes kind of opened up. Okay, you know, maybe this can work. We're still not sure, but maybe this can work. Um, so my suggestion is, well, why don't we try this on an interim basis? Let's set this individual up for success. Let's give them an opportunity and let's tell them exactly what we're doing. This is an interim basis. This is a chance for you to prove yourself. Uh, it's all on you. We'll give you the resources. I'll be here to help you along the way, but this is up to you. Um, and we went into it with that compromise um, and the individual ended up uh, becoming a champion, um, ended up excelling, uh, drove the center, led the center to uh, heights that we hadn't seen before, to great, you know, some really great successes despite a lot of challenges. Um, and that individual ended up becoming uh, an overall regional director uh, for um, the, the market at the time. So, you know, that was coming in as new and, 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 you know, having to sort of argue my point um, and uh, advocate for this individual was not easy. Um, but it, it turned out to be successful and, and had nothing to do with me at all. It had to do with the individual adjusting, learning from their mistakes and responding in the right way. Wow, that's awesome. Kudos, uh, you know, kudos to that individual, but kudos to you as a leader for just... Um, for recognizing and kind of enabling uh, that success and that track record that he was then able, you know, to accomplish. I think that, you know, as a leader, I can speak personally to that just being the most fulfilling part of the job is <laughs> like when you can, when you can develop and enable and support and, and coach, you know, coach people up and, and help them, you know, because you're not just, impacting that individual but you know just the impact that you know in your world um you know on, on the patients but then also the the families of those patients the family of that individual there's just such a such a much larger impact that's that's had you know versus just that singular person and that's just such an an exciting and, and motivating and rewarding part of you know being in that leadership capacity absolutely 
So when, uh, you know, kind of talking about like, you know, retention and, you know, development, um, you know, what are some, I guess, like what, what are some tidbits of advice that you share? You know, you've, you've grown in your career, you know, in a VP level role where now you have, uh, you know, director level managers you know, reporting to you who then have, you know, managers reporting to them. What What's the advice in, you know, in developing those leaders underneath you? How do you kind of push them uh, to develop the leaders underneath them? Well, the first is being consistent, being consistent with your expectations, being consistent with how you communicate, um, you know, showing up. I think that is first is the, one of the biggest things that you really need to focus on as a, as a leader. Um, if you show up and you act as that example of, and you're consistent and you're consistent in your follow through, uh, and you know, for your expectations or for the goals that you expect or the results that you expect, uh, you know, they will catch on to that and they will see that this is how it's done and, you know, they will carry that. Um, also, with that, being available uh, is, is super important. Um, you know, being there for them, picking up the phone when they call, um, but also challenging them to find solutions and execute on their own. Giving them a level of autonomy is extremely important. If I just micromanage all the time, they're not going to know how to do their job. They're not. They're going to feel like they are balking all the time. They're going to do something they're going to stop. Like balking in, in baseball sense. You know, I think I'm using the right word, right? For pitchers. Yep. You, know, <laughs> you know, they're going to do that and say, oh, wait, well, is Kyle going to be okay with this? Is going to be okay? Well, I don't, they're not executing then. They're not, you know, they're not getting the job done then. And so they're really not developing as a leader. Um, and so, you know, that's important. It's being present, but not being present enough to where you're hovering over them. That's, that's super important. Um, the other is, you know, providing them with development opportunities, with career opportunities, letting them see beyond what they're doing today. Not everybody is looking for that next step, but some people aren't. And some people aren't even really necessarily looking for the next step. They're just looking for something beyond what they're doing today to feel more fulfillment, to have more ownership. So it's getting them involved allowing them to lead initiatives for the region, have, letting them own things uh, and drive those, uh, you know, those initiatives, those KPIs or metrics, whatever it might be. So, you know, that's, that's you know, super important to it in, in terms of development. Um, you know, and then, and then also, um, again, I come back to this, but respect is huge. Um, I, it all starts with me. And everything trickles down from how I respond and how, you know, I react. So, and, and also how I treat people. Um, so it's, it's extremely important that people realize that this is a, yes, I am your leader, but this is an environment where I value you. This is an environment where I value your opinion and your knowledge. And I want to show you the, the, the respect that you have earned in this position, in your place in life, by listening to you, by engaging you for feedback, 
by including you. Um, you know, that's that's extremely important too, is to listen and to engage individuals um, instead of just barking at them or just throwing stuff at them. It's just, it just doesn't bode well. Um, you know, people don't want to come. I mean, some people want to be told exactly what to do. And you can figure those people out. But, you know, a lot of people want to have the ability to drive their own day. They want to have the ability to set their own pathway. I want to be able to help them get there. And I want them to do that for their people too. And so that's the example that I have to lead by. And that's how I have to carry myself, uh, you know, with them. Awesome. 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 Um, and so Kyle, you have, you know, provided some just absolutely uh, wonderful tips for team building on today's episode. If anybody in our audience is inspired by what you've, you've shared, how can people reach out to you? Um, so they can, uh, you know, contact me via LinkedIn. Um, I'm, I'm there on LinkedIn, Kyle Kingston, uh, Great Expressions Dental Centers, uh, or they can contact me directly through uh, my work email, which is kyle.kingston at greatexpressions.com. Awesome, awesome. And we will include that in the show notes as well so that the audience has, has access to that. Uh, Kyle, just want to say thank you so, so much for being a guest and the first guest on the Tips for Team Building podcast where our mission is to inspire and propel others along in their leadership journeys. Enjoy the enjoyed the opportunity to reconnect. Always a pleasure to to chat with you. And I look forward to continuing the dialogue. Thanks again for having me, Jaden. And uh, I'm honored to be the first. Uh, and it was a pleasure talking to you today. Thanks for tuning in to the Tips for Team Building podcast, where we propel others along in their leadership journeys. If you enjoyed the show, would you please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listened? You can also visit www.spiritmco.com to find out more about how Spirit Consulting inspires virtuous leadership. We'll see you next time.